becomes the show that wants to do the right thing in any situation. For example, what is the right way to make apple crumble? Reminds her that her mum is Gwyneth Paltrow and her dad is in Coldplay. <laughs> I'm Danielle Ward and with me trying to do the right thing today, a man whose beard looks like the beard the teams would come up with on the Design the Beard Week of The Apprentice. It's my <laughs> Ostentatious, the improvised Jane Austen novel, or middle-class pornography, as it's also known, is Carrie Ann Lloyd. She's got a name like a lady who would marry her cat in a documentary. It's Margaret Cable. works as Malaysia's number one Sue Perkins tribute actor, <laughs> Phil Mack. <laughs> and let's not forget the person with all the right answers, it's our very own master of mansplaining, Dan Schreiber. <laughs> Round one is the importance of being right. The importance of being right. Just like the woman who tried to buy a nice dress from ASOS and ended up joining ISIS... <laughs> I've some problems online! In this round, I'm going to give each team a scenario and they're going to tell me what is the right thing to do according to God's own World Wide Web. So... The first scenario is Michael and Cariad. Like Bjork, Damon Albarn and your mum, you've gone to Iceland. <laughs> you take in all the sights, the Blue Lagoon, the hot geezers, the whale watching expedition to see some playful minkies. But unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately Cariad has booked a little hotel near Hecla and she didn't read the small print because Hecla is an active volcano and it erupts. So what is the right way to stay safe near an exploding volcano according to nationalgeographic.com? Oh, I think the main thing would be don't go back. So I'd move away from the hotel. Well, do you know, I've never thought of this before. You're absolutely wrong. Why do people live near volcanoes? Yeah. You go, oh, there's a firework display, but don't go back after we've lit that firework, but we'll live near a volcano. <laughs> do you know what? We deserve to die. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the right answer? <laughs> Is it um, to not go anywhere near a hotel that Cariad's booked? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm good at booking hotels normally. You're not, you're, oh, normally. Normally I am, yeah. I must have been drunk. <laughs> or I didn't want to have a nice time with you, so I booked a bad hotel. Yeah. So we could blame it on that and then I could dump you there. <laughs> I'm assuming we're going out because it's like... Yeah, that's your problem. You assume we're going out. <laughs> Is there like an eye of the volcano? Like, 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 it's not like if, so if you sit oh, in the middle of the yeah, volcano, get into right, it. you're right. No, <laughs> 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 yeah, you're right. Volcanoes are like wasps. <laughs> you just ignore it. Ignore it's more you. scared of you. <laughs> in Pompeii, like if we learn anything from Pompeii, and we all should, is that if a volcano... Oh, I was going to say if a volcano is coming towards you. That's yeah. <laughs> so if lava is coming towards you, do a good pose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd like to be caught like flipping the bird at the volcano. Because then I, when the archaeologists find me, like this guy was a badass. <laughs> I feel like I'd be doing something like sniffing a pair of knickers. <laughs> why are you sniffing? Yes, knickers? Why are you sniffing knickers? <laughs> I don't know, I've never done it. <laughs> it's not like a top you go, oh, I've got another wear 
hair out of it. <laughs> <laughs> like, right. Yeah, one more day. <laughs> You're right, I'm finally free. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody been to Pompeii? Loads of people. It's very popular. <laughs> <laughs> Margaret, so apart from posing in a sexy position, <laughs> yeah. what else would you do to um, get away from a volcano? Just a really, like a really cold surfboard. <laughs> I definitely don't want to do what Phil is doing and go back in. <laughs> Indiana Jones gets in a fridge during a nuclear blast, and that's all right. So maybe just get like a fridge. Get in a fridge. Get that'll a fridge. be our answer to everything. That's, that's a documentary, right? You get in a fridge. Bad advice for children. You're not meant to get in a fridge. Oh, you can now. <laughs> go ahead, kids. They work out. I've worked out a way of, get, of uh, pushing the door so you oh, can get out. Oh, it's all right. Oh, that's good to know. Is anybody Mine's in one now. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to Iceland, yeah. and the volcano there is known as the volcano that started the French Revolution because it erupted, and the ash blocked out the sun in France, ruined the um, harvest, and that was the last straw for the peasants, and they revolted. Not very funny, but it would be a little bit. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's good. Phil, when you were in Iceland, did you visit the Penis Museum? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> Said with regret. Yeah, I really, I really wanted to go. I was with my girlfriend, and she, she was like, I see enough of that. <laughs> <laughs> I would think it would have been a bit of a busman's holiday for us. <laughs> There'd be a wang among wangs. Uh, yeah. Your homecoming. You sign that visitors book. Yeah. <laughs> so happy. My favourite thing about the penis museum is um, there's a blue whale penis that they have mounted on the wall, and it is 170 centimetres long, which is taller than Prince R.I.P. <laughs> Purple vein. Do you prefer to be too hot or too cold? Oh, too cold. I can't bear being hot. I've got a friend who comes from Northern Ireland and she... Yeah. Went... <laughs> Not you. A real friend. Uh, yeah, someone, right. someone, someone who lived in her town, famously on the one hot day of the year, covered themselves in olive oil and wrapped themselves in tinfoil on the beach and cooked to death. What? What? Yeah. What, what was the tinfoil for? Yeah, she thought that would make her extra tanned. And yeah. some onions. <laughs> <laughs> Must she have been a weird disaster sort of scene which smelled delicious. Yeah. <laughs> Did she not notice what was happening in Get Out? Or is it like no, really I don't know. I think she cooked herself like inside. Like boiling a frog? And, yeah, like if yeah, yeah, yeah. She cooked is herself it a bit dark? to death. <laughs> <laughs> it's not dark at all. She's a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That should be a Channel 5 documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the woman who cooked herself to death on the beach. <laughs> I'd watch it. Oh my god. She-warmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be doing this in time. Michael, how about you? Is Volcano one of those things that you'd like to see before you die? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm slightly attracted to things that might kill me. Like, cos I've... Uh, yeah! That's how we met. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, obviously in, um, what do you call that place? America, that's it. And, uh, so it was a tornado, and there was tornado warnings. Okay, oh, we've got to go into the cellar and lock ourselves in because we're all going to die. And everyone did. 
But I went, I, I, I have to see it. Like, <laughs> if we're going to die, I want to see it. It was too exciting and it was so scary. So I reckon if I was near a volcano, I'd go, ah, bring it. Like, <laughs> also, when I was in Australia, saw a funnel web spider. I went, holy shit, it's a funnel web spider. Everyone in the room screamed. And I went, is it? <laughs> and I had to get closer to it. Michael, were you turned on at this point? <laughs> I was wanking anyway. <laughs> That might be quite an erotic thing. Yeah, right. It's, yeah. A, bit, it's a bit. Yeah. When Obama came to London. <laughs> oh, she still thinks that's a near death experience. <laughs> so a <right>. black president. <laughs> Get over it, mate. When Obama came to London and yeah. uh, those big Osprey helicopters landed in Regent's Park, that I was like genuinely very scared, but also really turned on. Yeah, <laughs> it's hot. Yeah, it's hot. A helicopter. <laughs> that what, what I'm saying is, I think when Pompeii happened, I'd be there sat on the washing machine. <laughs> 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 Margaret's in the fridge, so you're all you know, <laughs> having a great time in the kitchen. It's all about the white goods. <laughs> Uh, right, so a simplified question would be to ask <laughs> if your hotel isn't in the path of any lava or mud flows, what else should you try to avoid? Well, so it's near the volcano, but it's not in the path of a volcano. Yeah, you're not in oh, the mud and lava the old, flow. Well, the ash. Is it the ash? You've got to close your windows, maybe don't breathe it in. Brilliant. Oh, oh, well, oh, plug up the filters. <laughs> Buy an inhaler. <laughs> Put a bag on your head. I've, I've run out, I've run out. <laughs> Let's go over to Dan Schreiber, oh. who has the actual answers. So the actual answers come from nationalgeographic.com. Uh, the main bit of advice, which no one really hit on, is stay away from active volcanoes. <laughs> <laughs> we did say that. Both were holidaying there, so you obviously went there. You've decided not to go back once it erupted. The general thing is just actively don't right. book a holiday. Okay. So we already yeah. missed a point because of the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was an unfortunate it's original sin all over again. <laughs> And there were a few almost points that you guys, you went in the wrong direction at the last second. For example, you are meant to stay indoors. So actually, I'm going to have to award points, not to you, Michael, but your friends in America who did stay indoors when there was a tornado, because actually that is the proper thing to do. Now, do they have a story about the time they saw a tornado? <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, you did get a point because you did point out that what you should do is stay indoors and actually block up every single yeah. passage of air that can come in. You also get a second point because one of the biggest, most painful deaths that you can experience is not through the lab, but through the ash. It gets you in every way. It can go into your lungs. If it hits you on your skin, it can burn right through you. It can poison you in every respect. So if you're in your house, if you have a chimney, block that up. If you have anything that allows air in, you need to block that up. So you got a point for that as well, which is very cool. I, think, I don't know if this is too late in proceedings, but I have just remembered that I grew up near an active volcano. <laughs> Yeah, I grew, up, I grew up on the island of Borneo. Was British North Borneo. Empire big up. <laughs> and we were very near Indonesia, which had at least one active volcano. And from time to time, it would erupt. You wouldn't see any lava, but the smog would come over to Malaysia, and everyone would just put on these masks, and you go about your day. And but it wasn't until Dan started talking about volcanoes that yeah. this triggered yeah. your memory. <laughs> so this rings a bell. <laughs> Speaking stupid puns! <laughs> Talking about your willy! What's the <laughs> <laughs>
bored of not being part of the capitalist machine, you've decided to set up your own company that makes sad blankets. <laughs> a blanket to wear when you are sad. <laughs> it's the night before your big dragon's den appearance and you need a good night's sleep. But oh no, your new upstairs neighbour is having loud sex to Metallica whilst also doing the hoovering at 3am. So what is the right way to deal with a noisy neighbour according to lifehacker.com? Have you heard noisy neighbours? Yeah, we had some horrible guy who used to shout and he was really... Well, some of the time he was really weird and frightening and would literally spit at our feet as we'd pass in the hall. And some of the time he was absolutely lovely and would offer to carry the buggy and whatever. You know, that's obviously quite a freaky thing. You know, shout a lot at at night. No. Twins! Not a proud moment. When I just moved to London and I put on a party, that's what you say, right? And um, I didn't tell anyone of my neighbours, which I should have done like that now. I was worried it wasn't going to be a fun party. And then at about 1 a.m., my neighbour came over really angry, like, it's really loud, can you keep it down? And I was like, oh, thanks, cheers. Like, All right, this party's kicking. Uh, but then in, in his, he wrote a letter to me the next day and it said, whoever came to the door appeared very intoxicated. And I replied saying that was kind of the point of the whole thing. I do, I'm better now. I send a little, I, I give out chocolates and things before it happens. It's like watching porkies. <laughs> they're too young, Michael, they're too young. It's like watching American Pie 3. <laughs> See? They love it. I loved it. They love it. Michael, you're an angry man. Fuck you! <laughs> uh, what do you do when you've got noisy neighbours? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I've had noisy neighbours. I dealt with them spectacularly. <laughs> he worked at night, so he'd come home at three in the morning or something like that, and, you know, quite rightly, like, he wouldn't go straight to bed. And it's right after your working day. I totally understand. That's fine. Watch a bit of telly, have a beer, enjoy yourself. Do not blast music really loudly. <laughs> now, I would go upstairs and knock on his door and go, Hello, I'm in bed. Will you please switch that music off? No, I'm really enjoying the music. I went, well, I never thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) And cursed him. Uh, So this went on for a few weeks, and I didn't really sleep, and therefore I went mad. So what I decided to do was, during the day when I knew he was asleep, I would play very loud music, to which he, of course, would wake up, and then he'd start banging on the floor, which I'd hear via the ceiling, and then I'd get a brush, and I'd start banging on the ceiling, but in a different room. <laughs> so the noise would be all around his flat at all fucking times. Your poor other neighbours are just like, what the fuck is going on? I spoke to my other neighbours. They thought I was breathing. <laughs> it lasted a week. I won. He died. <laughs> Have you ever had a noisy neighbour? No, but I'm quite noisy when I have sex. <gasps> <laughs> That's the only time that happened to me. I'm Are sorry. you noisy all the way through or just at the important bits? Um, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> That's the it starting the point. Wah, wah. That's the That's the it's reversing. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've learned to behave myself because it is too much. 
And uh, when I was at university, yeah, we were having, it was very loud and very long. And because we were being so loud, they were banging on the ceiling. Therefore, my ceiling. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't realise. And then it was sort of in time to the shout. So they had to really bang quite a lot. I sort of thought it was us. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. The room is shouting with us. And then. That's how Stomp was invented. And then the worst thing was our front doors were like this and we were both face to face the next morning and that made me go, oh, I'm going to try and behave. Because <laughs> it was very embarrassing to be face to face after I had been screaming for three were hours. They, were they not three yeah. hours? I was a student. <laughs> what was wrong with it? his penis? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. So, Margaret, how would you deal with this noisy neighbour? Well, oh, what would you God. do in the first instance? Mm, uh, put my house up for sale? <laughs> it's just all so awkward. I was thinking of making some stickers that say your music is too loud oh, and just putting them on people. <laughs> <laughs> and seeing if that works. I did want to put a note in someone's hood. That <laughs> <laughs> said, what makes you think you are above the law? <laughs> Because uh, everybody saw me put the note <laughs> as he was getting up. Like he's got a suggestion for <laughs> I hope he found it. When I lived in Bryson, I had a really noisy neighbour. So I'd get in from a gig at one o'clock and they were still going and it was really horrible. And I'd like leave little notes and nothing. So they had this big painting outside their flat. And I took the painting and put it in a wheelie bin and then left a note going, where's your painting, eh? <laughs> Did they stop being noisy? No, I moved out. It was horrible. <laughs> that sounds like when I was cross with my sister and I used to put a spoon that she didn't like in her bed. I mean, it's not very logical, is it? It's not really making your point well. Put a spoon that she didn't like in her bed. We all have spoons we like in our beds. It's a spoon that used to I had teeth on it. <laughs> <laughs> God, every time I think I'm mental. <laughs> Let's... Not <on> <laughs> she hasn't. <laughs> Dan, uh, what are the actual answers? So the actual answers, according to lifehacker.com, uh, Michael, you got one straight away. The simplest response is to knock on the wall or ceiling. I've given you one and a half points because you've taken that one step further by knocking on the wrong room. Uh, all of you almost touched on something, which is their big suggestion is that you should also just write a polite note. And you all would have got points for that, apart from the fact that you all wrote extremely nasty. <laughs> Passive aggressive notes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What about his chocolates and nice things now? Uh, He's learned. Bribery, essentially. Yeah, see, there was still quite a nasty spike on the edge of what you were saying. Mm. Do you want to... I'll give you a point. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. What about when I stopped having noisy sex? So I've learned. Okay, six points for you. (laughs) I've never had sex. (laughs) I can't do anything about that. But so the uh, life hacker then suggests more drastic measures that you can go to. Uh, one of them, actually, Margaret, you hit on, and I've given you half a point for this. Spoon um, in the bed. So it's actually with the stickers. With the sticker idea, they don't say that you should be doing stickers. But what they say is you should communicate by using your Wi-Fi network to tell them. So rename. Oh. Why not rename your Wi-Fi network to yeah. be? 
be quiet flat four, or <laughs> turn down your awful music. And then I've also given, Michael, have you got another half point because you talked about music, attack the actual music itself. What they say is, and this is actually really interesting, and maybe someone should try this, apparently what you can do is you can actually hack into your neighbor's speakers if you're clever enough. So with a few cheap tools, a bit of tech knowledge, you can actually transmit your voice through their speakers <laughs> while they're mid-act and tell them what you think. Oh, yes. <laughs> like the DVD extras of sex. <laughs> um, so at the end of that round, Dan, what are the points? The points are Margaret and Phil are on five and a half, and Michael and Cariad, due to Cariad's big six point number, are on ten and a half. <laughs> Coming this summer to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, it's Michael Legg and his brand new show, Jerk. It's an afternoon's light entertainment with Michael Legg on the harpsichord. 60 minutes of harpsichord classics including Bach's Minuet in G Major, Rachmaninoff's Suite Number no. 5 and Shout Out to My Ex by Little Mix, all performed by me, Michael Legg. If I've learned how to play the harpsichord by August, if not, I'll just be screaming in your face about how awful my life is and how awful you are. That's the plan. It's from the 3rd of August to the 27th of August, starting at 1.20pm at The Stand, venue number two. You can get tickets at thestand.co.uk or edfringe.com. Love you, bye-bye. Like Tom Hiddleston demonstrating his personality. <laughs> this next round is agony. <laughs> In this round I'll be getting the panel to solve some problems from our audience but before that I'm going to start them off with a letter sent to a real agony aunt to test their advice giving skills. Margaret <coughs> would you please read this? I will. Dear agony aunt, I am a member of a historical reenactment group and during a recent staging of the Battle of Culloden, I found myself chatting <laughs> to a handsome new member. To my delight, he asked me out for a drink. Since then, we have gone on several lovely dates and bonded over our shared passion for 18th century weaponry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to invite him back to my house, but there's just one problem. I'm concerned he'll be put off by my pet cat. He's a vicious old ginger Tom who has driven a wedge between me and previous partners. He even caused one ex an injury which required a trip to A&E. <laughs> I really want to take this burgeoning relationship to the next stage, but how can I tackle the subject of my very naughty cat? Michael and Cariad. What advice would you give this poor lady with a cat and the poor lady who goes to historical <laughs> Well, I like historical reenactment things. I do it once a week. Yeah, the Lewisham Northern Irish Troubles. <laughs> Lewisham. Very accurate. You would genuinely think Lewisham, if you saw it, is Belfast in the seventh. <laughs> And when we speak, actors actually do our voices for us. <laughs> There's a lot of fun to be had in those. There's actually a huge mural of you, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the side of my house. It's like, no, I can't help myself. <laughs> Lee Bobby Sands, Russell Kane. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's Gaelic for we don't like Russell. <laughs> Because I don't really know if Bobby Sands liked him or didn't. <laughs> anyway, I am putting words into the mouth of Bobby Sands, which would have happened anyway if he had lived a little bit longer. I like Bobby Sands, he was vegan near the end. Come on, Come on. There is nothing on my card relating to this. It's so obvious, and I know some people are cat people, but it's like, it's just... No get... people are actually cat people. <laughs> get rid of the cat. Get rid of the cat. Rid like, of the what, cat. if you're constantly losing boyfriends, relationships, and injuring people, get rid of your cat. I'm not saying kill him, but maybe kill him. Really? <laughs> <laughs> they should have had sex with him yet. You'd really get rid of a cat. With okay, oh, I'll give it to someone else for the date. So, like, take it to a friend for, like, a week. Yeah. See how the date's going. And then if you're like, nah, cat Set back. it on him. Set it on him, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think dress him as a Jacobite. And, <laughs> and invite the boyfriend round. Yeah. Give him a chance. Yeah. Give him a chance. Oh, and whoever wins has a sexual relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Wang, have you ever dated someone with a vicious pet? Um, no, sorry. No. <laughs> Remember that you did. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, hang on, my oh, mother yeah. was yeah, my mother had a tiger. I dated a Rottweiler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael is um, so Michael's got a dog called Jerk. Has mm. she ever taken against any lady? No, she doesn't. She doesn't really like anyone or anything. No. You know how sometimes they say, "Oh, uh, pets resemble their owners." <laughs> <laughs> jerk hates everything and it's very beautiful. <laughs> but it's never been a personal thing, she just hates... I did think she was racist for a while. <laughs> I did, but it turns out she just doesn't like hats. <laughs> she used to bark at anyone with a turban and I was going, oh my god, I have raised a racist. Uh, it turns out it's just hats. My daughter, um, when she was sort of two or three, saw a man in a turban and said, look, daddy, there's a genie. <laughs> and, and so my husband tried to explain Sikhism, you know, briefly, and she just went, he's a genie. <laughs> Twitter and uh, Sanjeev Kohli um, said that his dad is a, a turban Sikh and says gets it all the time <laughs> and just grants kids wishes. <laughs> Disappointment. Oh! <laughs> For Wang, are you dating anybody at the moment? Yeah, my girlfriend what, what didn't go to the penis museum with me. Oh! Yeah, yeah. That's a long relationship. Like three years. So when you first started dating her, if she'd have had maybe a chinchilla that didn't like the look of you, mm. would that have put you off pursuing a relationship? Yeah. I do remember now. <laughs> oh! So easy! Just like, yeah. <laughs> You've been with her for three years and you would have tried it down because the chinchilla vaguely didn't like you. Well, I, didn't, I wouldn't have known at the time they would, could have gone on for three years, but I think the dog would have pushed it over, <laughs> over the edge. I, I do remember now, actually, I did have an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Was she a volcano? <laughs> yeah, she just shot out dogs. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, she gets paid very well now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see, she lives in Japan now. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a girlfriend who I didn't, it wasn't a violent dog, but it was like a King's Charles Spaniel bred in a very focused manner and its eyes were like pointing the wrong As way. As is traditional for the kings of England. That's how I got yeah. its name. It didn't look anything like King Charles. It wasn't violent. If anything, it was sort of lobotomized. Um, <laughs> it's my favourite kind of dog. I'm not really a dog person. I'm more of a cat guy. I do actually like cats, but I'm allergic to cats, so that I have to make myself hate them. But if you get remote control... <laughs> remote <laughs> you, control cat. Remote control, no, an actual remote control for TV. You can stroke the cat if you're allergic, and they don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> There is a great trick for sedating cats. Um, it's it's to... <laughs> called a breeze block. <laughs> and he likes cats. So. I do like cats, man. This is a completely natural, nice way to do it. If you grab them by the back of their neck, they completely collapse because um, that's how their mothers carry them. Their kids by the scruff of their neck, and so they would just relax. But you have to. The vets actually get hair clips, and you just put it on the back of the neck, and they will just. <laughs> I'm only interested in lobotomized cats. Dan, what is the actual answer from our agony aunt? So the advice, the agony aunt in question is Colleen Nolan, uh, <laughs> and this is in the Mirror that she published her response. Uh, she published four possible answers for what to do, none of which did you guys get bets. anywhere near uh, any kind of answer. Oh. So, some of the advice that she gives. Uh, firstly, she says, think about your cat like an unpredictable dog. Would you invite someone with an unpredictable dog into your house if you owned one? No, they might bite them. It's a very bad move. So, that's her opening gambit. She then says that there is genuinely ways of preventing the cat from attacking if you want this to be a serious relationship. One of the main things is, why don't you look on the website of the RSPCA? They have tons of information about how to train animals. So effectively, she said, I can't be bothered Googling, why don't you go on? <laughs> Um, I'm giving Carrie half a point because one of the other suggestions that Colleen makes is that what you should do is when the boyfriend comes over, why not introduce him to the cat? Let them sit down, let them thrash it out, let them chat about it, and then once they've got on, just take the cat into the next room and then get on with what you're doing. So when you said, let's get the cat out of there, it's exactly that. However, not a full point because she thinks there should be bonding sessions before that. Yeah, in costume. <laughs> so half a point to you for Thank the costume you. thing because that was effectively a bonding session to Yes. to the next level, yeah. And finally, uh, she says, I'm wondering if you'd had him neutered. If not, perhaps a trip to the vet is in order. Uh, yeah. Is she talking about the cat? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't specify, good point. Thanks, Dan. Now they've learned how a real agony aunt does it, let's see how the panel deal with some problems from tonight's audience. So the first one I've got is from Maddie. Is Maddie here? Maddie's problem is, my landlady keeps making my bed for me. What can I do? So she's coming into your flat making the bed for you? Yeah, so it's more like I'm lodging where she lives. So right. she comes into my room oh and makes my bed for me. Oh, no. That's the creepiest thing. <laughs> you know what I'm going to suggest, don't you? <laughs> evidence. I haven't caught her in the act, oh, okay. but I, the corners are very much tighter than I know how to make a bed, so I'm just Oh, so you suspicious. make the bed, and then she comes in and remakes the bed. That's way worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's odd, isn't it? There's something... Shit the bed. Shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Right. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Can you lock the door? So she can no lock on it. There is a sign on it asking me to shut it quietly. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> I'm telling you, shit. In the bed. Yeah, I think shit. Trust bed. me. Messages left in shit really help <laughs> in your troubles. <laughs> Actually, I'm sort of thinking maybe he's right, but it doesn't have to be a large one, just a small one. <laughs> so then she would maybe not be sure that it was a message, but she'd be unsettled. Oh, you, what you could do is put them on, on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> She's tucking in, so she'd just be like, what's that? <laughs> or do you think weird, like, lay all your clothes out as if you were there, underneath the duvet? <laughs> Put a big mirror under the duvet, so when she gets it off, she just sees herself. <laughs> Maddie, uh, have any of these been helpful? <laughs> I think I'm going to go home and shit the bed. Shitting the bed deserves a standing ovation. The next person is Ashley. Is Ashley here? Hi. Hello, Ashley. Oh, hello. hello. I am a bold man, and people regularly kiss and or fondle my head without my consent. How can I stop this from happening? So, any advice for Ashley? Shit the head. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to Jesus crown of shit. <laughs> so they just don't come near it. No, that's oh, quite nice. good though. A crown of thorns, that might be a bit painful. Yeah, I'll give that or a uh, writing get off on Yeah, on the your post it note, I see you. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. Ashley, um, tell me some more about this situation. Well, oh, it tends it. to happen mainly in pubs and clubs. People get a bit exuberant and then I will feel myself being <laughs> kissed on the head and I will look round and there will be normally a man. Um, yeah, is it men that do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's they, like you're a woman in today's world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd say, oh, I've got another bout of chemotherapy next week. <laughs> say it at all times. <laughs> That's good. Do you know that stuff, stop and grow, that you put on your nails? Oh, yeah, yeah. You? If, yeah, sheen of that. Yeah, that so would really tunnel. stop. Anticline paint tool. Yeah, anticline paint! <laughs> what about an eye patch? Oh, yeah. Yes. yes. Who's going to fuck with a bald man with an eye patch? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Like that. Is it? I like that, yes. Or uh, cut your hand off and replace it with a hook. <laughs> Go the full Abu Hamza. Yeah. yeah, I think Michael's right. You need another talking point. Yeah. yeah. You need something to distract oh, right. them. A wheelchair. <laughs> if you want people to stop touching your head, get a wheelchair. Yeah, they would. You're welcome. <laughs> I've nailed that again, haven't I? Ashley, has anybody. Has anybody, has anybody given you some great advice? I uh, don't think my chemotherapy one is the best. So I kind of points. do. Uh, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, Michael, I think, with the eye patch, I like that one. Yeah, that's good. Points to Michael. Thanks to Ashley. What are the scores after that round? I don't want to know. <laughs> the scores are Margaret and Phil have nine, and Michael and Cariad have 15. Oh! oh. Believe it or not, there are some questions the internet can't answer, like, why does my belly button smell of bomb? <laughs> <laughs> In these 
instances, we need to ask the expert. Ask, 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 ask. In this round, the panel have to think like experts in order to work out the right thing to do. So let's welcome today's trained professional from Antiques Roadshow and Collectaholics is antiques expert Mark Hill. I've collected, I think, pretty much since I was a small boy. So pebbles, stamps, fountain pens. It, it got me through university. Are pebbles uh, antiques? Uh, <laughs> 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 and can I ask, um, do your pants smell of mothballs? Purist eau de vie. Anything old, it smells of mothballs. But why are you buying pants? <laughs> and why are his pants old? Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we're going to move away from this. Um, right, in a moment, the panel are going to have to second guess what Mark would do in some antiquing scenarios. But before that, you've got the chance to get to know him a little bit better with some questions. So has anybody got a question for Mark? What's the newest thing you own? <laughs> My iPhone, probably, and it doesn't wind up. It has a battery. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, it's all down. <laughs> you should have a Nokia with snake. <laughs> what's your favourite bit? Like, of hit, what's your specialist What's your favourite bit? <laughs> what's your favourite bit of history? But I assumed he'd know that and I wouldn't have to add it in. Actually, <laughs> probably the 20th century. I think oh. so much has gone on, it's really rather good. But the most favourite thing I think I've ever sold was something that was reputed to be a rather personal part of Rasputin. Oh. You could say it was Rasputin's favourite bit. I mean, if you know a little bit about history, you'll know apparently yeah. something was sliced off. And uh, this was brought in for sale, um, and we put it into an auction. And this guy insisted that that's what it was. We, we had it analysed, and it turned out to be um, a fossilised sea cucumber. <laughs> So your favourite bit, your favourite bit is Rasputin's cock. <laughs> Out of embarrassment, I once bought a tie signed by Angus Deaton. Is it worth it? I was at the charity auction that wasn't going well, and I panicked <laughs> because Angus Deaton had essentially ruined a tie. That's what I'm trying to sell. Is it worth anything? It? What's it worth? Not a lot. <laughs> Can you get the autograph off? Because <laughs> then you could just eBay it. Would you accept money from the American government to go and gather uh, the Ark of the Covenant, knowing that Nazis were also after it? <laughs> my face didn't melt in the meantime, I, I, I might consider it. In Antiques Roadshow, when you're talking about a piece and there are people who just stand around watching, do they just turn up, or do you go, Oi, antique here, yeah? and then they come <laughs> flocking like bees around the house. No, not really. Uh, There's always a sort of group of people standing around wanting to hear, so um, okay. they're corralled, but they're very patient and very good, and we're always very grateful. Good, good BBC what? answer. <laughs> um, these are all very good questions. Um, I think we've all got to know Mark a little bit better. So here's the first scenario we set to him. Mark is on an antiques bonding weekend in Scunthorpe. David Dickinson is driving the minibus while Tim Wanacott reads the map. <laughs> <laughs> Be a really old man. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never get there. 
Getting into town, they make a beeline for the nearest charity shop. As Mark enters, he spots an interesting-looking brass knob. He thinks could be a very rare piece. But, oh no, the other experts have spotted it too, so how can Mark make sure he's the one to get first dibs? Margaret, what do you think Mark would do? Well, he's a bit BBC, isn't he? Mm. He's possibly not going to be underhanded about it. Oh no, he's raising his eyebrows. Yeah, okay. (laughs) He's a filthy liar. (laughs) You you pick it up first. Can you just shout shotgun? (laughs) 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 Unless it's like antique shotguns, in which case. That would get quite confusing, I guess. And Carrier, do you own anything old? Um, yeah, we've got an old cricket bat, actually, really? from the 19th century. How come? Because my mother-in-law collected it. She was into cricket. And it's on the shelf. That's not I didn't want it on the shelf. <laughs> I thought it was ugly. But then he pointed out that wasn't very nice and he should be allowed some things in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you do at your house? You just slowly clear their things away. <laughs> just all of his things are over there because they're just not as nice as my things. Yeah. <laughs> Margaret, doesn't your husband collect... A load of old shit. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got four swords in my wardrobe and a, and a 14-month-old baby. So that's good, isn't it? In the wardrobe? <laughs> yeah. What's he got swords for? He's got... Get rid of it, mate. Get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but what do you do with swords? What do you do with swords, Mark? Well, I'm just a bit more worried about it. You've got cricket bats. You've got swords. It's sort of something... Weaponry. Yeah. You do an aggressive yeah. husband thing going on it's here. Maybe because Carrie and I are such cunts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We need to be subtly threatened, otherwise we will go mad. <laughs> Doesn't your husband mm. own a tricorn hat? Uh, yes, he has a couple of Napoleonic hats. He also has a bag of shrapnel from the Crimean War. <laughs> hey, in the bin, in the bin. Just in the bin. And then when, where is it? I don't know, you put it somewhere. That's it, the answer for the rest of your life. And he will think he put it somewhere. They always think they did. Because <laughs> you can be like, I don't even touch that bag of rubbish. And they believe you. It's really great. <laughs> Basically, you're saying that Mark would just stick it in a bin. <laughs> no, with the knob, I think Mark would be very polite, but I think what he'd do is he'd pick it up, but then talk to them about something over there, and then they would be distracted and he would just go and buy it. So I think it would not be underhand as such, because it would seem very polite. He'd show but... you a, a pack of cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you go antique hunting? Like a lone wolf, or do you have like a wingman? Oh, always, always a lone wolf, mm. yeah. prowling in the background, and then pouncing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sexy. Yeah. <laughs> it's antiques, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> so, Mark, what would you actually do in this situation? It's all about the hands. Grab that knob. <laughs> Vitally important. As soon as you lay your hands on something or pick it up, it takes quite an act of violence for someone yeah. else to take it away. It is yours until you pay or you decide to put it back again. But then you've got to watch this. I got elbowed oh. on the chest by Celia Imry once. It was so <laughs> and I tell you, she's got sharp elbows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Famous, famous, famous. Mark, who do you think was closest in the round? Margaret. Definitely. Oh. <laughs> 
us into the second scenario that we put to Mark. Mark is browsing an antiques fair. In the corner, an old lady has set up a stall and on it, Mark spies a rare lighter. On asking how much the lady wants, Mark is told £20, but he thinks it could be worth 500 Before he can pounce, the old lady says how nice it is to talk to someone because all her friends are dead. <laughs> Mark wants the antique, but the lady is so nice. What would he do in this situation? Phil Wang, what do you think Mark would do? Money over everything. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she's in the antiques game. She gets it. She knew what she signed up for. <laughs> she knew she was facing up against a legend. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't get here by giving them the right amount. So I'd say... Um, <laughs> pay the 20 and cash in, I'd say. Harriet, what do you think Mark would do? I think... No, I think he might like go, oh, £25 or 30 But I don't think he would tell her because I agree with Phil. Antiques dealers... You know, they are the pirates of modern day life. <laughs> what he nice could do is pay her what she wanted for it, but then buy her a friend. <laughs> Michael, what do you think? I do? think you'd be very charming, because you're a very clearly a very charming man. Thank you. You much. would talk to her, have a really nice time with her, just chat with her, and then, after a really lovely conversation, <laughs> which is basically giving her the company that she craves, you would just go, do you know what? I've had such a lovely time talking to you. I think I will buy this blame lighter from you. Here's 20 quid. And she'd go, oh, what a charming man. And then you would leave go, ha, fuck you, sucker. That's a better impression. Mark, everybody thinks you would rip off an old lady. I'm saying that. What would you do in this situation? Well, there are two sides to it here. I think now I'm a bitter and twisted old man. When you enter this game, you're kind of putting yourself out there. And if you're a professional, you should have done your work. So therefore, if somebody comes along with more knowledge and understands something more, fair game. So would I buy that lighter? I'd certainly think about it today. But 15 years ago, I used to work for an auction house and I did actually have exactly this scenario. And I saw a lighter, it was a little bit more expensive, it was 300 pounds. And I thought, well, that's quite good. It could be worth a grand. Didn't have 300 pounds, borrowed the money from my parents, went back and thought, Exactly as you say, this isn't right. I can't rip off this lovely old lady. And regardless of what you not see on daytime telly programs <laughs> about dealers and antiques auctioneers, we're not all charlatans, we're not all pirates, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> We are, actually. You know, we're quite honourable people. Yeah, we love but look at Lovejoy. Come on. That's like, all I've got to go on is Lovejoy and Tinker. With, with hair like that, really. I mean, but I decided I was I'm not going to buy this thing, and I was going to front up. And I told her what I did, and I asked her to bring it into auction. I put it in one of my auctions. My £300 lighter sold for 10 grand. <laughs> Honesty doesn't always pay. Oh, my God. If but you're a better person than all of us. No. Does that make it better? No. No. <laughs> so, Mark, after that, who would you award some points to? I'm going to go four points to Margaret, three, <laughs> two and one. Oh. <laughs> Thank you to antique expert Mark Hill. <laughs> So, before we hit the final round, what are the scores, Dan? So, Michael and Carriad have 18, and Margaret and Phil are creeping back with 17. Oh! oh. oh. It's time to do the wrong thing! Do the wrong thing! Do the wrong thing! Do the wrong thing! I want the 
journalist to tell me what is the wrongest thing to do in any given situation, the winner gets to become Pope. <laughs> <laughs> the round ends when we hear my horn. So, you find a ghost has fallen asleep in your wardrobe. What is the wrong thing to do? Get four women to destroy it and then whine about it online. <laughs> uh, uh, wear it to the BAFTAs. <laughs> uh, confuse it for bed linen, cover your bed in it and then shit on it. <laughs> the men's rights activists want you to host their awards ceremony. What is the wrong thing to do? I'll do a really good job and get invited back. <laughs> Every time you fart, a bullet comes out of your bum. What is the wrong thing to do? Uh, yoga. <laughs> you can make one of your fingers glow like E.T. What is the wrong thing to do? Put up your bum and get people to see where it is. <laughs> your life partner wants a Saturday kitchen-themed wedding. <laughs> what is the wrong thing to do? Do it on a Sunday. <laughs> Stick it up your bum and see if it glows. <laughs> Mary Berry invites you round for crisps again. So what is the wrong thing to do? Try and fill the fold in her neck with the crisps. So <laughs> she could flare up like that small dinosaur. <laughs> A child's birthday party after the clown has started crying. There really is no point sticking around. <laughs> Dan, what are the final scores? Michael and Carrie Ed have 22. Margaret and Phil have 24. Oh! I'm so happy. I'm the new Pope. <laughs> Thanks to the Phoenix for having us. Do the right thing is a fuss production for the internet. <laughs> <laughs>